This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 35. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now, your host, Kristen Trumpy. Hello. Today we're going to talk about resilience and I can't believe it took me so long, it took me 35 episodes to get there because resilience is really one of the main pillars of positive psychology, one of the cornerstones. It means that we are able to deal with challenging situations in a constructive way that we can weather whatever life throws at us without breaking down but actually bouncing back and maybe even becoming a little bit stronger. So this episode is based on the work by Karen Rivich and Andrew Chate. And the stuff we discussed does not just have implications for when life is difficult. The thinking patterns and what's going on in our mind, they actually influence us daily. So although this was created mainly with challenges in mind, I invite you to consider these ideas for everyday life as well, because they definitely affect us. So what affects our resilience? Well, there are a number of factors. Um, there is emotion regulation, impulse control, um, our analysis of the situation, our feeling of self-efficacy, our sense of optimism, empathy, and how comfortable we are reaching out. And what I like about knowing these factors which affect our resilience is that it's easy to think of oneself as being resilient or not. And if you think you're resilient, that's great. You know, don't you don't need to analyze it. I mean, if it's working, it's working, right? But if you feel you're not a resilient person, then that in itself is not a very helpful classification. You just think of yourself, oh, no, I'm not resilient. But if you think about it and you break it down, you can be like, well, maybe my emotion regulation and my impulse control is good, which means that emotion regulation, for example, it means that are we aware of our emotions? Can we lower or heighten the intensity of the emotions? Can we prolong or shorten the duration of certain emotions? That's what regulation is. So maybe you're really good at those things and maybe you're even good at impulse control. But what gets you, what trips you up is maybe how you analyze the situation or maybe you're not that optimistic. So I think if you know what these factors are, emotion regulation, impulse control, self-analysis, self-efficacy, which by the way is how competent you feel in a certain area of life, um, your levels of optimism, your empathy, and your how comfortable you are reaching out. So if you think about each of these of these aspects, you can think a little bit more about, well, if you feel your resiliency needs to be improved, it c- you can kind of locate where you can start, all right? So the first skill they talk about is managing your ABCs. ABC refers to adversity, beliefs, and consequences. So adversity, what sets you off? Now I'll take just two or three examples from my life, nothing too dramatic. 
just in order to illustrate what we're talking about. This is not really about me. It's more for you so that you can understand how the A, B, C's relate to each other. So what sets me off? Well, little or no quality time with my loved ones. That's something that I find I can get pretty crabby and sometimes I have no idea why I am feeling that way until I think about when's the last time that I spoke to some of the people I love and then I figure out, all right, maybe that's the problem. Another thing that drives me nuts is dumb rules. You know, that we live in a time when basically there are more and more rules for businesses and this is, by the way, not a Republican statement at all. I just don't like rules. I don't like dumb rules. I don't mind other rules. I think traffic rules make a lot of sense, but I don't like rules which people say that they can't really explain why they exist and they said, well, because it's always been done that way. And um, another favorite from work, meaningless meetings. So what kind of beliefs do I have about these things? And this does not necessarily, I don't mean the beliefs I always have about it. So now I'm not in this situation. So now I might not believe the things I'm about to say. This is rather talking about the beliefs that I have in the moment when something really makes me sad or really makes me angry, all right? So we talk about the one which says little or no quality time with loved ones. Well, in that moment, when maybe I can't talk to someone as we scheduled or something like that, or we can't make a meeting or anything like that, um, it's easy to think, well, maybe that person doesn't care as much as I do. And that's my belief. When I'm thinking about the dumb rules, I might think something along the lines of, well, some people prefer to enact rules instead of understand and solve the problem at the root and if I think about meaningless meetings, I might think about something like, well, if people cared more about solving the problem instead of their own egos and advancements and games, we could all relax and still accomplish more. So what are the consequences of these beliefs? Well, if I think maybe people don't care as much as I do, or maybe this particular loved one does not care as much as I do, the consequence, the C of the ABC mean it basically leads to sadness, right? Now, the important thing is that the actual event does not lead to the sadness. So if somebody can't make a meeting or they can't, you know, they have to reschedule or, or whatever it is, that does not create the emotion. The emotion is created by the belief that that person maybe doesn't love me or they don't take me seriously or whatever it is that I believe in that moment. And when I think of the other two things, you know, like some people prefer to enact rules instead of thinking by themselves, or they just care more about their careers instead of solving the actual problem, that both results in anger. But then again, it's not the actual meeting itself that leads to the anger. It's my beliefs about why the people are doing what they're doing. So what's helpful about knowing your ABCs? Well, if you kind of have an idea what sets you off, you might be able to prepare for it a little better. And you might also be able to revisit your beliefs. So, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm actually right. You know, maybe some people who are sitting in meaningless meetings and talking 
I'm not going to say the word I think right now, but you know, BS, all right? Um, maybe it's true. Maybe they really do care more about their career than about solving a particular issue. However, that belief is not necessarily helpful because that belief makes me angry each and every time. And if there's a way to get out of those meetings, which by the way, I always try to do, but if you can't, it might be helpful if you know that, well, those meetings are likely to just really, really piss you off. It might help if you can prepare yourself by coming up with some alternative beliefs. Just being like, you know what? They they actually have to be there because maybe their bosses told them so. They, they don't exactly have a lot of freedom as to how they structure their day either. And they ask questions or make comments because maybe they simply don't know the issue and they try to understand it better. Whatever it is, if we try to look at our beliefs and just choose one which is maybe less saddening or less anger-inducing, it's not about necessarily others. It's also for our own good, okay? Now, the second of the resiliency skills is looking at thinking traps. Now, thinking traps are exactly what they sound like. It's when we kind of result, when we kind of come to incorrect conclusions, which are not necessarily based on reality, but we can't see that. And my hope is that by talking or basically just mentioning those thinking traps, you can maybe think about, well, which of those do I personally tend to do? So number one is jumping to conclusions. Number two is tunnel vision. And that means that you only see what's going on, like a, a little part of what's going on. Then there's the thinking th trap number three, which is magnifying and or minimizing something else that's going on. Number four is personalizing, so everything is your fault. Number five, externalizing, blaming others for maybe you have done it, but you just tend to see everybody else's. Number six is overgeneralizing, and that means that you see it as a general rule. I salute to you, Mr. General Rule. Something happens and that means like, oh, this always happens, but actually it's just this situation and you're somehow taking this one situation and pretending like life is always like this. Number seven, mind reading. That means that you kind of assume that you know what the other person thinks and why they do stuff. And finally, number eight is emotional reasoning, which means we misjudge the situation because of current emotions. Now, what can we do to actually remove ourselves from the thinking traps or not even walk into them in the first place? Well, the first thing we can do is, I believe it really helps if we've just heard about, if we know what kind of thinking traps exist. So which ones of those did you apply to you the most? Jumping to conclusions, tunnel vision, magnifying and minimizing, personalizing, externalizing, overgeneralizing. There is a lot of lizing in here. Mind reading and emotional reasoning. So which ones of those 
apply the most to you and what can you do well you can actually challenge your own traps your own beliefs and if i think about it number one was jumping to conclusions so we can challenge that by asking ourselves well do we even have enough information to be able to judge what is going on for number two tunnel vision well which information did we ignore or downplay and for number three which is about either magnifying or minimizing something well which information sorry why is this particular part of the problem so big or small for me number four personalizing is it really about your personality or is it about the situation or maybe it's about your work maybe your work is being criticized but not you as a person and that used to be a huge issue for me taking everything personal when i was a teenager man life was hard as a kid and as a teenager because every time somebody said something i always thought it's somehow it's somehow about criticizing me and what happened was that i didn't really think about you know actively getting rid of this thinking trap because i was too young to even know what a thinking trap is so what happened was that when when is that like 12 years ago i was a member of a website called fiction writing ded is for germany and um what we did there was what we used to write short stories every month and submit them and then the other mem members could comment on it and the first time i did this i got crushed and not crushed like i think one guy was maybe mean everybody else was constructive but still if you're the kind of person who takes every kind of comment or criticism personally it's it, it really hurts you know no matter if the people are nice about it or not and what happened was that i was so interested in writing and so in love with learning wanting to learn more about the process that i kind of decided you know what i'll put out a story every month even though this really sucks and i did that and you know one or two years later i was completely cured and this hobby this fiction writing hobby actually turned out to be incredibly useful because afterwards i would not take stuff so personally at work in my personal life and at school it's it's just i oh you can't believe how liberating it is when we can get rid of our own thinking traps and the beautiful thing about this i think is that i didn't even intend to do it it's something that by following my passion life taught me and i talk a lot about you know these really mental and psychological concepts but the beautiful thing about life is that if we pursue life we might pick up the same lessons without necessarily actively thinking about it although since you're listening to this podcast i assume you don't mind thinking about such things but still you know go ahead with your hobbies because who knows maybe they'll teach you some insights about resilience or other aspects of positive psychology so moving on number five was about externalizing which means blaming others for what you have done but maybe here it's a good exercise to just ask what actions did i take don't 
judge them or anything, but just what actions did I take and what did I say? For overgeneralizing, seeing it as a general rule as supposed to as opposed to a single instance, I would think about, well, alright, what is different about this situation compared to similar ones? For number seven, the mind reading one. I guess some guys might recognize this one, I am assuming. So even if I occasionally succeed at mind reading, nobody is 100% accurate, right? So even if you are actually good, and I mean the guys recognize it as being the ones whose minds are read, all right? The ladies, me included, well, sometimes we're actually dead on, you know, knowing what's going through somebody else's minds. But hey, even we are occasionally wrong, right? Nobody's 100% right. So in the moment, it makes sense to kind of question ourselves just for enough time to make sure that we don't go into some kind of full-blown consequence, which is probably more hurtful to us than to the other person. And for number eight, emotional reasoning, what has happened in similar situations where I felt differently emotionally? And what I like about these questions is it's not so important which question referred to which thinking trap. What happens is that if you're in a situation and you actually manage to start questioning your own beliefs, you're kind of taking already, you kind of slowing down this train of thought that's kind of, that would have otherwise just thundered, you know, ahead. As opposed to our beliefs, the beliefs that we talked about when we talked about our ABCs, Ravitch and Chate also talk about icebergs, as they call them. And icebergs are, are underlying, more enduring beliefs which shape our responses and they guide the overall direction many of our beliefs which we have in the moment actually take. And it's important to know that these icebergs are not good or bad. They can just be helpful or less helpful beliefs. So, for example, if I believe that young people I train, I train young people at work, if I believe that they're generally bright and motivated, I act and treat them accordingly. And the opposite is obviously always true. If I think that they are too young to know anything and I treat them like that, chances are we're going to run into some problems. So the same is also true for our other beliefs. So the icebergs, that's what you also want to look at. However, I think the icebergs, that might be a little bit more tricky. I think if you start off with your ABCs and if you then go on and or maybe look at your thinking traps, I think the icebergs can wait and they might actually even show themselves. Like if you look at the beliefs that you have, recurring ones, you might see the underlying beliefs and they might emerge, you know, more easily than if you kind of start out new and you just ask yourself, well, what are my iceberg beliefs, so to speak? There are also other resiliency skills such as calming and focusing. So you can use, you know, known techniques such as mental techniques where you, I don't know, count to 10 before you respond or you try to control your breathing or you try to soothe yourself by touching and that kind of thing. Then there's also what you can do is to put it in perspective, but actually the real challenge, the real challenge is taking all of these things 
and putting together and this might sound a little bit intimidating but actually it has been my experience that you can really kind of just casually think about some of these thinking traps for example and then if you you know now you're listening to them chances are once you you know walk into any of these traps maybe in the next couple of days chances are that you'll actually notice it and that's a good sign if you notice it you've already slowed it down and then the rest you know you kind of know what's happening you know all right what pushed my buttons what was my adversity what is my belief what are the consequences the emotional consequences but also the responses that you give the actions that you take and i think knowing these basic principles of resilience can already be very helpful although of course you could talk about each of these topics i mean if we look about the look at the icebergs for example i mean we could talk about that for a very very long time because it's really also got something to do with partially unconscious beliefs right and same with calming and focusing i mean there's a whole discipline of you know how how you can actually create a relaxing environment and they're very different and many beliefs as to how that can be done with meditation with you know more physical approach with exercise with there's so many different ways so i hope that by looking at these thinking traps and by learning about your abcs you'll be able to maybe change your own resiliency quotient for the better or at least starting to do that okay so i'm now moving on to some personal matters and um i will actually come to new york city between june 21st and june 24th and portland oregon between july 8th and july 12th so if any of you guys would like to have coffee i would absolutely love to meet the people who actually listen to this show because I see the download numbers. It's going pretty well. I'm very happy. It's all across the world. People are downloading this, but I have no idea who you guys are, and you actually know quite a lot about me. So I would love to just hang out with, you know, maybe two or three of you guys if you're in New York City or Portland. That would be awesome. And speaking of awesome and speaking of listeners, uh, this is a special shout out to Brian in Chicago. Thanks so much for your touching messages. It's great to hear from real listeners, from their tastes and struggles. And if you, dear listener, happen to be in Chicago, Illinois, maybe the guy sitting across you in the subway is actually the very Brian I am talking about. All right. Have a good week, everybody, and talk to you soon. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by sharing it with your network and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love to hear from you at kristen at strengthphoenix.com. For show notes and more, head over to www.strengthphoenix.com. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.